Amen. Glad you're here today. It's Family Sunday, so all our kids are in here with us. Kids, we're glad you're here. Get to experience what it's like to worship here in our regular services on Sunday morning. Man, what a great week as we lead up to the Sunday that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For Christians, it's got to be the most holy day of the year, the day we put really our whole hope in. Amen? Amen. We've been a part of a series here at Vertical over the last several weeks called Alive. And we've been looking at stories in the Bible of resurrection. Jesus was not the only story of resurrection. And we started in the Old Testament. We've been walking forward in some pretty amazing stories. Anytime someone is raised from the dead, it's a miraculous thing, right? It's a big deal. So we've looked at some stories that were just from an earthly perspective were impossible there was no hope, no resolve, but God worked something miraculous. And we've looked at how God longs to do the same in our life. Areas in our life that we thought or think today are dead. Whether it be relationships, whether it be hopes and dreams, whether it be a loved one you're praying for that is yet to come to know Jesus Christ. We look at those situations and we think those are impossible, but God is the God of miracles. Amen. So a little bit different format today. I'm going to do my best to stay right here. If you've been around vertical long enough, you know for me to sit right here and not move is going to be interesting, right? I'm usually all over the floor. Today's a little bit different message, however. There are messages that fill us with passion and fill us with challenge for new faith and new hope and that take us to places that we find it difficult to even get to. But today is a little different. There are, of course, stories in the scripture where people had great faith and they accomplished amazing things. For example, you read in Hebrews chapter 11, you don't have to turn there, I'm going to read just a few verses because it describes their some pretty amazing things that God did through people who trusted him, who really had faith. So you read at the end of chapter 11, it says, these people who through faith, they subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. And out of weakness, they were made strong. They became valiant in flight or in fight Turn to flight the armies of strangers. Women received their dead, raised to life again. We've talked about some of those here. And others were tortured, accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And you think, wow, that's some pretty amazing stuff. People that trusted God and God did the miraculous. But I know what's been going through your mind over the past several weeks. Because it's been going through my mind as well. What about the situations in my life where I'm still waiting for something miraculous to happen and it has not happened yet? I've been praying, I've been waiting, and God has not answered my prayer yet. Can you identify with me this morning? You know what I'm talking about? You've, you've prayed for a loved one to come to know him and it hasn't happened yet. And you feel like you have really laid yourself out before the Lord and it hasn't happened yet. There's a relationship you have been praying will be resurrected. It's dead right now. And you have waited and you've prayed and you've trusted and you've laid yourself out. And I'll do whatever, Lord. And it still hasn't happened yet. Maybe it's 
a health-related issue, and you've prayed and you've waited and you've prayed and you've waited, you've called others and you've prayed and you've waited, and it still has not been resolved yet. What do you do in those moments when the prayer has not yet been answered? Amen? The Bible is very honest and very real. It gives us hope for situations just like that. In fact, the passage I just read to you, it goes on and it says this about other people who had just as much faith. It says, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yes, more of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were cut in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And these all, listen to this, having obtained a good report through faith. In other words, they trusted God and God said, I hear you. It says they did not receive the promise. In this life, they did not experience what they longed for and hoped for. The Bible is very real and very clear that that happens. The question is, what do you do in that time? So today, a little bit different format, I want us to just sit and talk for just a moment. I want you to feel like we've sat down in the living room and we're talking. I'm not preaching, I'm talking. And I hope you'll hear the Spirit today. Amen? Our story today comes from John chapter 11. If you want to turn your Bible to John, it's in the New Testament, one of the Gospels. Chapter 11. If you've got a Bible app, feel free to use that. You can download one if you'd like. We even have a guest Wi-Fi here you can uh, hook onto if you have not yet. John chapter 11. It's a story about um, two sisters and a brother, and they're close. Their names are Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're all very close to one another. In fact, they're also close to Jesus. They often have him in their home. He comes over. They eat together. They even support his ministry. These are people who love Jesus. Look what it says in verse 1 of chapter 11. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha, two sisters and a brother, and the brother is sick. It goes on in verse 2, and it said, it was that Mary, in other words, the Bible's going to clarify, if you had any question about who this Mary is, here's who it is. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. This is that Mary. This is the Mary who came into the room with a very costly oil, perfumed oil, fell down at the feet of Jesus and anointed him. This is that Mary. Now, we don't have a, 
a lot of stories in the Bible about people and their worship of God or Jesus. There are some, obviously. But this is a very vulnerable story. This is a very intimate story. How would you like your story of your most intimate moment of worship with Jesus put into a document that's going to be read by everybody who comes to faith? Or doesn't even. It's out there. This is that Mary. A woman who is in love with Jesus. I don't mean in a weird way, but she loves him because she knew forgiveness from him. She was accepted by him. She had been made new by him. And so it is this Mary, a woman of great faith and of great love, who has a brother that gets sick. Now, I don't mean just he had a cold. I don't mean he just had seasonal allergies like some of us might be struggling with right now. I don't mean that he got the virus that was going around town. No, this sick is something more. This sick has put him in bed. It's one of those, you don't get out of bed sick. It's one of those, everybody has to bring something to you sick. It's one of those sick where Mary and Martha are concerned. I don't mean, I don't know how long he's going to be down. It's the kind of concern where I don't know if he's going to get back up. It's that kind of sick. It's an alarming sick. And it tells us something right away that's very honest about Scripture and about who God is and about who we are. Let me tell you first this morning, just because you are a person of faith, it does not mean that you are exempt from need or pain. There are certain things that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, I can... I can almost assure you, if you'll put your faith in him, you will save yourself from a world of ills out there. You will. There are a lot of things that you won't have to endure and go through. But just because you put your faith in Jesus Christ does not mean that you're not ever going to be at a time and place of need. You're going to be sick. You're going to be in a place of need. You're going to have a time of want. You're going to face a time where you or maybe your brother will be sick and it will be a little bit concerning to you. Our story continues in verse 3. It says, Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. You see, Jesus was out of town. Jesus was not there at the time. And the sisters are concerned, so concerned that they say, we've got to get word to Jesus. Someone go and find him. They couldn't send him a text message. They didn't have a carrier pigeon. They sent someone with word to him. Jesus, the one whom you love, is sick. And it must have been concerning to Jesus himself to get that kind of message to find there was a messenger that was coming from the home of Mary and Martha. And there's concern. He's sick. What's going to happen? Verse 4. It says, Then Jesus heard, when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, 
but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, I want to really call your attention to, to these next few verses. They're going to set the tone for us for the rest of the story. And if we don't get what's in these next few verses, the rest of the story will not make sense. If we don't get what's in these next few verses, our lives in following Christ won't make sense. Are you with me? Scripture, breathed by God, every word is important. So in this verse, it says, When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death. He says, The ultimate end of this sickness, (coughs) excuse me, will not be the death of Lazarus. He's talking to his disciples. But he does say this, but it is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. In other words, Jesus is saying, Lazarus is sick, but I'm going to use it for glorifying Jesus. This is the Father saying, I'm going to use this to glorify my Son. God allows things to happen in our life sometimes that we would not have chosen to show a greater glory than we would have learned had we not gone through it. Hmm. Let me just say that one more time. God will sometimes allow us to go through struggles because we will experience his glory in a way that we wouldn't have if we had not gone through it. And so Jesus says clearly to the disciples, this sickness is for the glory of God. It's so that the Son of God, Jesus, will be glorified through it. So let's, let's walk away from this verse with this point. God's highest pursuit is to reveal his glory to us and in us. Okay? When Adam and Eve were created, they didn't evolve. They were created, placed in the garden. They were clothed with the glory of God. That's how they could be naked and not be ashamed. Clothed in the glory of God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the glory of God emanating from you I can't even hardly wrap my mind around that what it would be like to be filled and emanating and reflecting at the same time the very glory of God his 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 righteousness his purity his power his majesty his strength all of that in a man and a woman there in the garden this is what They were created with. But the Bible makes it clear that they sinned, and when they did, they lost the glory. The book of Romans says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're not walking around in the manifested glory emanating from us today, right? No matter how good you might think you look in the mirror, you're not reflecting the glory of God to that extreme, right? All right? Yeah? Okay. Well, fine. Let's move on. So... glory was what we were created with. We 
lost it because of sin, but Jesus came that we might know that glory again. In John 17, Jesus would say, Father, I desire that those whom you have given me, that they may be here with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. You love me before the foundation of the world. This is Jesus talking. He says, I, I want them to know what it's like to be restored to glory, to be once again in the place of knowing fellowship. And he would go on in Romans and write, I reckon that the sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared to the coming glory to be revealed in us, in us. Whew. There's coming a day when you and I will leave this life. Yesterday, uh, I went to a funeral. And most funerals, of course, you don't think of as being joyful. But this one was. There was a sense of celebration and recognition of what this man had, um, had been through in his life and what God had done in his life and the glory that he was enjoying today in heaven. It was actually the man who owned the building next door that right now is called the Tutoring Center. Back in the day, it was called Totaway. If you've been around Ovilla for a while, and there was a man named N.L. Dickinson who owned it, operated it. Got my first job working for N.L. Dickinson. And uh, just thinking about him today, being in the presence of God in full glory was amazing yesterday. Jesus came, came that we might experience glory. Now, it's important for us to know this truth here that's on the screen. It's, it's written throughout Scripture. It's God's goal. It's his pursuit that we might experience his glory, that he reveal it to us, but not just that we see it, but that it be in us. The New Testament would go on to say that when you have received Christ in you, that he becomes Christ in you, the hope of glory the restoration of all things. And so right now, we're here in this life and we are connected in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. There's coming a day when all that we hold to by faith will become sight and we'll really experience what it's like to be in the glory of God. Amen? This has been the goal of Jesus all along. And so everything that happens in life, God sovereignly designs so that we might experience more of his glory. There's not a moment of your life this past week or this week to come that has not been uniquely designed by God. Amen. Let me say it one more time. There's not a moment in your past, this, this past week, there's not a moment in the week that's about to come that has not been sovereignly, in other words, wisely and powerfully designed by God. Your, your life is not random. You may think it is. You may think it's chaos, but God is ruler over all. You are not on your own here. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the ability to connect with him and see that he's working in your life, that all things are working together. Amen? So when he works, which he is always doing, he is doing so in order to reveal his glory. That's what he wants for you. That's what's happening here in the story. Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Let's go back to the story. Verse 5 and 6. Scripture is clear. I will say again. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. If you're reading the Bible story like me, this is probably one of those verses you just skim right over. You just kind of go on like, nope, you get on to the rest of the story. No, 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 no. You've got to camp out right here. 
you've got to put your tent stakes down right here. Because the rest of the story is built on this. Now, in other words, make this sure. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved them. He knew them. He cared for them. His heart longed for them. He wanted the best for them. He wanted them to experience his glory. Jesus loved them. Now, the way Scripture is written, you have to hold to bedrock truths like this. Because what's going to happen next in the story will cause you to question even this. But when you face those moments, you go back to what you know is true. Now, Jesus, the Son of God, God's own express image and heart, loved, loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. It didn't say he loved one, not the other. It didn't say he loved one more than the other. He loved all three. Verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Jesus did not come right away when they called for him. Mm. Have you ever had a moment where you cried out to Jesus expecting him to answer and he did not? Hello. We, we can be as real as the Bible is this morning. All right? Jesus heard Lazarus is sick. Do you think Jesus had to get a note to know he was sick? Jesus knew he was sick. Jesus knew how sick he was. So when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days. He just stayed where he was. He didn't run to them. He didn't go back to them. He didn't even send word. He just stayed where he was. Aren't you going to go heal him, Jesus? Aren't you going to send word? You've done it before where you just spoke and the other person was healed. Aren't you just going to just speak it, Jesus? You can do it. You're God. Aren't you going to just act? Jesus, why are you not responding? Two days pass. You see, faith interprets what we don't know about life by what we do know about God. There are times when we don't understand. Jesus, why haven't you come? This doesn't make sense. I thought you cared. I thought you had power. I thought you were able to do this. Why haven't you come? In those times, that's when our faith is tested the most. Why is this happening, God? Why haven't you answered my prayer? When is it going to be different? I thought I cried out to you. I prayed. What happened? 
When those moments come, the goal is to go back to what you know and not lean on what you just understand here with your own eyes. So watch this. When we put these two verses together and you see how they fall in Scripture, look how it answers the question. Let's see the two verses as they fall in Scripture. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, in other words, therefore, when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. You might say, I don't understand how he could stay two days. I understand. Go back to verse 5. Now Jesus loved Mary, I'm sorry, Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But why didn't he come? Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But has he left me? I mean, where is he? Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When you can't figure out what's going on here, you trust in what you know is going on here. Amen? We all have stuff in our life right now that we can't understand here. It doesn't make sense to us. We wonder what has happened. And when this doesn't make sense, the horizontal, you go back to the vertical and you trust in that first. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Whatever else happens, you always go back to Jesus loved them. Whatever he does after that will be from his love. Whatever he does after that will be from his love. And you go back to that. But I'm feeling so unloved. Now Jesus loved Martha. Now Jesus loved Nick. Now Jesus loved Tap, Carol. Whatever your situation, whoever you are, you begin with what you know and let that help you interpret what you don't know. Let's go on in the passage. In verse 17, for the sake of our time this morning, I'm leaving out a little bit of the story, but it will all come together here. Verse 17. Now, or so, when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb Four days. Jesus got word. Jesus left to go where they were, but when he got there, four days have passed since Lazarus died. And you might think, Jesus, hello, don't you need to get some kind of app on your phone to tell you what day it is? Don't you need some kind of reminder? I thought you had 12 guys walking with you, surely one of them can keep up with what day it is and what the travel arrangements are. Didn't you know it was going to take some time to travel? Didn't you know, Jesus? Didn't you know what was going on? How could you get here late? How could you not answer when I needed you to answer? How come you didn't show up when I wanted you to show up? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You go back to what you know because Jesus is never late. Jesus has not left you. Jesus has not turned against you. What Jesus does, he does in love. And if he shows up four days later than what you thought, it's because he loves you. 
no one amen much on that. <laughs> but it's true. Amen? amen? Okay, thank you. Verse 20. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have come when I called you, this wouldn't have happened. It's your fault, Jesus. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. There's faith. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Sounded pretty spiritual. Kind of good response. Oh, I know. I know he'll resurrect one day, right? It's a good, safe answer with Jesus. I know, I know. You know one day they'll be resurrected. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. They were caught up in wanting resurrection. They were caught up in a day that's to come. And Jesus said to Martha, this is what I'm talking about, Martha. This is what this is all about. I'm not here because there's going to be a resurrection one day. I'm not here because of another time that's coming. I'm here because I am the resurrection. Isn't it interesting that Mary and Martha and Lazarus had Jesus in their home? Mary and Martha supported Jesus. Mary and Martha loved Jesus. Jesus loved them. But here's Jesus trying to get a big point across to them that they hadn't gotten yet. He said to them, you, you don't get it. You're, you're all caught up in wanting a resurrection, and I, I am the resurrection. I am the one who gives you life. I am the one who can give your brother life. I'm the one who brings life to all men. In, in me is life and the light of men. I am the one who ushers out the darkness. I am the one who speaks peace. I am the one who brings forgiveness. I am the one who creates acceptance. I am the one who raptures your heart. I am the one who sets you free. I am the one who is resurrection. Stop thinking about it as a day or a thing. I am the resurrection and the life. This is what Jesus wanted them to get. The passage goes on, or let me make this big truth before we move into it. Jesus sometimes allows suffering so that we can know the depth of life in him. I know what the enemy likes to do. The minute you go through some loss or tragedy or suffering, the enemy loves to come in that moment to you and say, see, 
he doesn't really love you. See, he's left you. See, he's making you pay for all those sins you ever committed. See, there's not really life in him. And the enemy is having a heyday in our day because people are buying his lies. And when they hear that voice, they shrink away. They pull back and they say things to themselves like, well, there's no sense in this Christian thing anymore. I'm just giving up on church. I'm giving up on faith. I'm just going to do my own thing. I prayed once, didn't work. I trusted once, didn't work. Look what's happened to me now. I'm done. And the enemy wins. When the sickness happens, when the tragedy happens, and you can't see the why, you go back to what you know with certainty. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. Now, Jesus loves me, my wife, and my children, and my grandchildren. And whatever happens, I will trust that his love is still firmly locked in place. Amen? Amen. Verse 32. Then, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, a familiar place, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now, know this. Jesus was concerned at her grieving. But I think even more was what Jesus saw happening. Mary is coming, and who is with her? Very good. The Jews are with her. The Jews struggled to believe that Jesus was God. The Jews struggled to believe that he was the Messiah. And so I'm sure they are whispering to her all the things that we just said. And she's mourning, and she's mourning with grief more than what she ought to have. Because the Son of God is standing right there. And when he sees the level of grief and loss of belief, he is grieved. And he said... Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. What comes next in Scripture is a verse I'm sure we're all familiar with. Shortest verse in Scripture, verse 35. Jesus wept. Jesus is overcome with their grief. He feels it because this is whom he loved, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. This is them he wanted to see the glory of God. 
And in this moment, they couldn't. And Jesus weeps for grief, but he weeps for where they are in their spirit without hope. And he weeps for them. Verse 38. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he's been dead for four days. You sure you want to do this? It's going to be bad for all of us. Are you sure you want to take this stone away? Verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Sometimes the stench comes, and it's out of the stench that God brings the greatest pictures and episodes of his glory. And we want to run from the stench. Nobody wants to be around the stench. But sometimes the stench comes, and when it does, it's the place where you're going to experience the greatest expression of God's glory that you've ever seen in your life. Mm. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this. I have to say this out loud, but I'm saying it for their benefit, so they'll know that they may believe that you sent me. I want everyone to know, Jews, Mary, Martha. Now, verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. Lazarus, come forth. He could have whispered, you know, it's Jesus. Lazarus, come on. He could have just said it in a regular talking voice. Lazarus, come forth. I'll explain hide and go seek or something. But he doesn't. He uses this phrase, the Bible uses this phrase, loud voice, on purpose. And Jesus uses a loud voice on purpose. Lazarus, come forth. Verse 44, and he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped up with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Amen. The one who was dead was now alive. Jesus worked in spite of the stench. Jesus worked in spite of their unbelief. Jesus was all about revealing his glory, and Jesus was all about them knowing he loved them. That's what it always comes down to. You've got to know with certainty Jesus loves you. It's not based on whether you've had a good week, bad week, got a promotion, or didn't get a promotion. Jesus loves you. It's not about whether you sinned more this past week than you did righteous things. Jesus 
loves you. In fact, the Bible makes it clear, while we were still sinners, Christ died, show the greatest expression of his love for us. You always go back to the foundation, Jesus loves me. So whatever happens, you have to interpret with, Jesus loves me. I didn't get the job I wanted. Jesus loves me. I didn't get my prayer answered the way I thought it was. Jesus loves me. I'm still having heartache in my marriage. Jesus loves me. You've got to go back to that over and over again, every trial, every situation. And he's wanting to reveal his glory. As we saw in the book of Hebrews, there are some that that happens for. There are some who die never getting their promise answered, their prayer answered. But there's coming a day, folks. The Bible says when Jesus will return, and it'll be another day of resurrection. It'll be the day that we are caught away. And then there's a day when our bodies are resurrected, and we will forever be with the Lord. That day is coming. A day of glory and resurrection is coming when Jesus will call us to himself. And in one of the most definitive passages about that, here is what it says. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Make a note. Go back to this. There's a, there's a day of resurrection coming. Here's what it says. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a whisper? Nope. With a small talking voice? Nope. With a shout? Amen. And with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. In other words, when he calls, you're going to know it. It's going to be a loud voice. It says, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall ever be with the Lord. There's coming a day of another shout, another loud voice, and it'll be for all those who put their faith in him. It'll be a call. It'll be to the church. It'll be to the bride. It'll be to the, the ones that God has rescued and redeemed. And I have to imagine that I've always thought of it at least as the, my bride, come forth. But I just wonder if as the members of the body of the bride, if we will not all hear our voice, our name being called in his voice that day. His name, I'm sorry, his voice calling our name. I just have to wonder, you know, if it'll be, David, come forth. And at the same time, it's Linda, come forth. And we all hear our names spoken by God, and we are resurrected to be with him. And resurrection occurs, glory occurs, and we are with him, just like Lazarus was resurrected. That day's coming. But I want to make this clear as we begin to wrap up today. Until that day, we wait with eyes open to his glory, with full confidence in his love. 
You see, you and I are waiting today. We're waiting for a time when hopes, dreams, broken relationships will all be resurrected. And for some, you'll experience that resurrection while you still live. But the Bible makes it clear there'll be some, as there were some, who did not, even to the end of their life. But I'll tell you this, they never stopped believing. They didn't stop praying. They kept on with faith all the way to the end because they knew even if God doesn't cause it in this life, he's going to cause something else to happen of even greater glory. Amen. Amen. I want to close today uh, by introducing you to someone who um, is walking through some of the stuff we're talking about today. I know the room is full of stories probably like this, but I want to let you hear about one of them. Uh, Mr. Buddy Jones, you want to sit right there or you want to come over here? You come over there. All right. Buddy is the guy that sits on this side, normally playing the bass on Sunday mornings. It's rattling your bones during our worship time. And I've known Buddy for just a little while and had opportunity to hear uh, some amazing stuff that God's done in his life. Some great um, moments of faith and uh, deliverance and love, right? Yeah. His, his wife, Paula, is sitting right over here. Um, Buddy has a son from long ago named Jared. I'm talking because Buddy told me I could talk for just a little bit. And then I'll let Buddy talk. Um, but Buddy's son, Jared, who's almost 40 or so, Buddy hadn't had much contact with him in a while. And he found out recently that he was riding a bike. Back in August. Yeah, back in August he was riding a bike. And um, not exactly sure what happened. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what happened. He, he went up in the hospital with major reconstructive surgery of his face. Uh, very serious. To the point where they had to put titanium plates in uh, to help reconstruct his face. And then Buddy got uh, word from him just recently, and I'll let Buddy take over this point and talk about what happened recently. About three or four days ago, I called Jared just to see what it happened, how, how he was doing, because last I talked to him, he was playing guitar in his church again, and he'd come back to the Lord. been about a month since I'd talked to him. <laughs> I knew the first word that came out of his mouth that it was bad. And he had just found out the day before that his body is rejecting those titanium plates. When they were put in, they were never meant to be taken out. His, his skeleton had to be completely taken apart. They had to separate his jaw and build every, he had to build a whole new face. Apparently the bones have 
regrown around all the titanium. And he developed uh, cellulitis. And his face swelled up and infection got in it. And the uh, bottom line is he has to go back in. And they've got to take all them plates out. So they have to go, he has to go back in. They've got to break his jaw away from his skeleton, take all of his skin back, and take all them plates out of his head. And then he's got to, you know, I, mean, I, I say it like it's just a, you know, regular operation, but I think if you give it enough imagination, you can imagine what that's going to take to do that especially since his bones have grown to the plates. So he's got to have all that taken out, and then it'll be at least a good month in the hospital, if not longer. He was in there for about four to six weeks last time when he had the original accident. In the, within the same week and a half that he found this out, very dear friends of his, their house burned down while they were getting a moving truck to move. Lost everything they had. And a girl that he's real good friends with, she had a brain aneurysm and is expected to die. Jared, his life has been on and off with God. Uh, he was adopted away from me when he was about four. Um, lived up in Minnesota, up north most of his life. So his walk with God's been off and on through his almost 40 years. And he's, he said, I don't understand how if, if God was real that he could allow this to happen to me. He says, I'm a good person. I don't deserve this. So the bottom line is he's for now, anyway, he's given up on God. He don't. He just. He don't get it. But that's that's it in a nutshell. Well, and to make matters <clears throat> more challenging uh, for a buddy, at least, is you can't get there to be with him, and uh, he's been having difficulty even reach him over the last couple of days. So, when I thought about this story, and I thought about um, being at a place where you you wonder. Okay, God, where are you? How come you haven't responded? Why is, why is Jarrett going through this? Why, why is this happening? I have to insert Jarrett's name in the verse. Now, Jesus loved Jared and Buddy. Amen? And when we can't make sense of what's here, we go back to what we know. It may be the only thing we know, but we grab a hold of it as though it were our anchor. We run to it like it is our tower of security, and we hold to that. So this morning, I want us to pray for Buddy and for Jared, but I know in this room there are plenty of other stories that are very similar. There are loved ones we're praying for. There are hurts 
in our own lives. So I want us to pray. Let me ask first, if, uh, for those who would like to come stand around, buddy, uh, maybe you know him, maybe you don't, but you want to come down, just stand around him while we pray here in just a minute. If you want to do that, you come on now. If there, anyone, if there anyone else here who'd say, I'm at a place where I, I could use some prayer. And I realize that um, we're all in that place. But if you want to stand as a way of saying, pray for me too, we'll do that this morning. Anyone else? And let's be clear that what we're praying for today is healing for Jared, but more than that, that he might know how much he's loved by Jesus and that he is seeking to reveal his glory to him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that is sure and strong and true. And that when life seems to be filled with storm, when life seems to not make sense, we run to our anchor, we run to our strong and mighty tower, we run to the one who is our healer, our help, our stability, our confidence, our strength, our savior, our redeemer, our rescuer. We run to Jesus. We run there because we know we are loved by him. This morning, Father, we pray for Jared. I pray that where he is this morning, that he would have all of a sudden an unshakable awareness of just how much you love him. I pray it will fill his heart with such peace, such joy, that it will cause those around him to be amazed, that it actually will cause healing to spring up in his body because it starts there. Lord, I pray that you'll open his eyes to see glory you're trying to reveal to him. There's nothing that you do that is not designed to help us see your glory. So we can pray with confidence. We can pray in the promise of knowing this is exactly what you're about. So open his eyes, Father. Open his family's eyes. Open those around him, their eyes, to see your glory. Not just in the situation, but in him. That he might know you are the resurrection and the life. That he might know your strength. That he might know all that you have for him. We pray for Buddy this morning as well. I can't imagine being a dad who's um, away from his son and not be able to hold him, to care for him, to reassure him. I pray Buddy will have the confidence of knowing you love him. And that even in this situation where he can't see that he would rest in knowing you are wanting to reveal your glory. And we will watch for it. We'll pray for Buddy as he watches for it. And that in the end, you will get all the glory. Lord, I know there are others who are in the room this morning who are hurting struggling. They can't see past 
today that can't see past the pain. May they know this morning the depth of your love, your glory. May the awareness of that, may faith in that, be what springs up to cause peace, rest, hope, love, and joy. Thank you, Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for being here with us today. We pray in the name of our Lord, our Savior, our Healer, and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.